0: I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hey guys, welcome back to Better Together. And this is part two of our interview with Brian Mahan, the somatic experiencing expert. Guys, in this episode, I think it all kind of starts to click together. I know it's a lot of uh, new information for most of you, but this is kind of that new modality that I really am excited to introduce you to. I've had so much success with it and I know that if you try it, you will too. So let's take a listen to part two. So, so the other thing you talked about earlier is new patterns, right? So this is a new pattern for me. And, right. and I remember you know, at the end of one of our calls, you're like, okay, so just keep thinking what's new, what's different, you know, think about your new patterns. And I remember, um, I was going to meet my surrogate for breakfast and I had given her the wrong address and I was at the wrong location. And I'm having, normally I would have this like full blown, like, oh my God, what a moron I am. And I would have this like very stressful moment. And I drive like a crazy person and I would call Kevin and like dump on him about how dumb I was to do this. And I had it in my head. I'm like, new pattern, new pattern. You're fine. You're just going to breakfast. And if she doesn't understand that you made a human error, then that's on her. And really this probably isn't going to be a good situation anyway. And I just, i I didn't call Kevin. I drove there calmly. She totally understood, of course, but everything always was so consequenced in my mind. Like everything was going to, something bad was going to happen if I made a mistake. Right. And, um, and so these new patterns that I've been developing have been really helpful. Um, and I'm realizing, like I said, right now that um, I've, I've created a new pattern with my dad. Cause I remember watching, I was like, am I just becoming my mom now since she can't do it now? I'm going to like pop into her role. No, there's just no way. This is so unhealthy. And so, um, wow, I'm really grateful. Yeah. You fixed another thing.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> so when, then speaking about repatterning or new patterns takes us back to this idea of <clears throat> when we have these thought feeling, uh, Uh, Behavior, um, belief clusters, and we can gain the optimal distance to look at it. We can lean into it to explore what's familiar about this and can we track back to the old wound. We also, so that's neuroplasticity, rewiring the brain around an old wound, right? So that's a great part of what I do and the way in which I work, right? We're actually rewiring the brain, um, detangling these short circuits, right? But now we have another opportunity too, and that is to create a new neural pathway, right? So from that place of observation, in that experience of leaning in and feeling the discomfort of it, we can also have the experience of, this is really uncomfortable. I really don't like this. I can see now how this has informed and formed so much of who I am and so much of what my experience on planet Earth has been like to this date, Mm -hmm. that I can now say, wait a second, I'm in a different place, I have new skills and tools and resources, I'm doing the work, et cetera. So let me just take a moment and start to work on etching into the ground this new neural pathway. So it starts with a line in the sand and eventually becomes a Grand Canyon of a neural pathway, right? And so these neural pathways can be created. Um, They are uh, repetition contingent Right. So one study has shown that it can take up to 400 repetitions to create a new neural pathway. Unless done in play, we can reduce it down to about 40 or as few as 40. Right. And so if we're in that place of discomfort, I don't like this. I don't want this to continue. So let me see what would happen if I could imagine. This cluster, somebody just reaching and grabbing it and throwing it away. And now I'm free of the cluster. What do I imagine my future could be like? How would I show up in the world? How would I experience the world? How would people experience me? What would I do with my body? What kind of exercise would I do? How would it affect my relationships? How would it affect my my work, right? So we're moving into the imaginal realm, which is dopamine rich, right? And dopamine is the jet fuel for neuroplasticity. Mm. So when we're in the imaginal realm, in the realm of play, right? Which
0: is more of your middle brain, right?
1: Exactly. so It's like yeah, almost we all, like
0: we're skipping the middle brain a lot, I feel like. We go from high to low, high to low, high to low, and that poor middle brain gets neglected, I feel like.
1: Exactly, because in trauma, there's a lot of disorganization in the communication between higher, middle, and lower, huh.
0: right?
1: And so we want to constantly work on, on keeping all three parts of the brain involved. So even if I'm working with somebody in the imaginal realm, I'm constantly bringing them into their sentient experience of what are you feeling in your body, um, you know, do you notice any smells or any sounds, you know, so I'm, I'm wanting to create as much reality in the imaginal realm, because the lower brain doesn't know the difference between perception and reality. If we can be traumatized by, by perception, like horror, witnessing something that happens to someone else, right, we're being traumatized in the imaginal realm because we're imagining that it could happen to us or we're imagining that it is happening to us. Well, if that's possible to be traumatized in the imaginal realm, then clearly we can use the imaginal realm as a way to heal. Yeah. Right. And so when I'm in that imaginal realm of hope and possibility and opportunity and excitement and anticipation of how different my world would be without this cluster, right? I'm drawing a line in the sand. And every time I do that, I'm, you know, that's that, that line's getting deeper and deeper. And then we can do one more thing to help habituate the neuroplasticity of creating this new neural pathway. And that is to behave, right? So if I'm in the imaginal realm of what my future could be like, and let's just, I use the example um, of, you know, I have this image of crossing the finish line of a marathon, right? That if this cluster weren't here, I could run a marathon. I could cross the finish line of a marathon, right? Well, if I went and ran a marathon tomorrow, I would be hospitalized. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would end up in the ER. So I know that there are many steps that it takes literally and figuratively to get to the finish line. So what's a teeny tiny little step I can take right now that can move me in the direction of crossing that finish line. And it might be something as simple as putting my shoes by the front door. It's not putting them on. It's not going for a walk. It's not you know, jumping into my shoes on the first day and seeing how far can I run. Mm-hmm. It's I took an action in that direction. Having completed that action, we wanna celebrate ourselves for having completed that action. Celebration is also dopamine rich, right? And so we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts that come through our head a day. So we have 60 to 80,000 opportunities to create new neural pathways and to heal old wounds.
0: It's time to make your life a little easier and to help you out. I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there, this little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it.
1: If we can seize three of them or 10 of them or 15 of them, all the better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if, I put the shoes by the front door. I do a happy dance. Yeah, I put the shoes by the front door. (laughs) Right. Then in that state, I can also say, well, I got another five minutes. What's something I can do that can move me towards crossing the finish line of the marathon? Well, I need to get my diet in order. So I'm going to walk into the kitchen. I'm going to throw away that one thing that is most unhealthy. And so I scour the cabinets in the fridge and I grab that Pineapple of Ben and Jerry's <laughs> and I spike it into into the trash can I do another happy dance whoa I'm taking it you know and so we can just constantly build that I had a client of mine who who started doing that as she was doing chores and things around the house her husband started noticing started thinking what's going on Annie? you're acting a bit weird <laughs> and so she told him what she was doing. And he started giving her high fives and slapping her on the butt and, you know, things like that. And then eventually he started doing it with her. Right. And then they transformed their relationship and their connectivity and their attunement to one another through the celebration of their tiny little micro accomplishments throughout the day. So it Uh even had an impact on their relationship.
0: Well, also, if you celebrate, you're going to remember So if you're trying to build a new pattern, like for me, I remember that new pattern that I built um, about not having this crazy freak out attack that I was late now um, because I celebrated it so many times. I've talked about it so many times. I was like, I'm so proud of myself that I, I know it sounds silly, but I was so proud of myself. And I kept telling Kevin, wow, I can't believe I did that. That was so cool. Cause it's a conscious choice to act differently. So as you're building that pattern where you're meeting it with the dopamine, then you're starting to like lay the building blocks for that new neural pathway. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you.
1: Yeah. And emotion intensifies all things, right? So if we have a thought and then we have a negative emotion, it intensifies the thought. Then we start thinking more things in that vein, right? Just as if we have a thought and it brings up, you know, pride. Then it's going to intensify those thoughts, that thought of pride, and we can start seeing the correlations of, oh, and I did it here, and I did it here, and I did it here, and I did it here. I'm really changing and growing, things are getting better. Right. And so emotion, you know, is behavior in and of itself, right? Because that's part of the emotional expression, is um, sensation and behavior, and neurochemicals and behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we want to make sure that we have all of that in there. And so behavior, you know, can be something as simple as a raising of an eyebrow, you know, or dry heaving. Yeah. Right? And so that's all part of the emotional expression.
0: I want to ask you to share with everyone how to orient themselves and why it's important. And so why is it important and how do they do it specifically every day? Cause this is a really good technique.
1: Yeah. So um, this is one of those things that we call a resource right and so resources are both internal and external um so we can have internal resources like fond memories or we can have internal resources such as pleasant sensations i feel relaxed i feel calm i feel at peace i feel energized i feel joyful right that's an internal resource we also have external resources which can be people places and things colors shapes textures objects etc right um or being at the beach, or being in the mountains, or being at the desert, depending on what you know, kind of nature scape is most resourcing to. You. But um, so we talked about a little bit before the idea of orienting through all five senses. So several years ago, I created um, you know branded a little open eyed moving meditation that I call the Fives, and I'll be happy to link um, audio files for your listeners. Um, and the Fives is basically. Uh, the idea is to take five post-it notes, write the number five on each one, and hang one in five locations that you frequent on a daily basis- kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, laptop, car, you know, what have you. Then that's just a mnemonic device. it's just a little reminder that once a day, when you see at least once a day, when you see the post-it note, to take five minutes to orient through all five senses. Right? So if you're doing it five times a day in five locations for five minutes, you're spending 25 minutes a day um, consciously connecting to your environment, right? Because a lot of times in traumatization, what happens is we become desensitized, we become dissociative, we shut down, we distract, we disconnect, right? We get tunnel vision in a way. And so this is a way to kind of expand your awareness and connectivity with the outside world and with yourself, but it's also ultimately feeding the lower brain, the information it needs to know where you are in time and space and therefore create the experience of being present and in the moment. And we've been bantering around those terms for decades, but this is how you actually do it, right? There isn't any other way to become present and in the moment than to be fully oriented through all five senses, externally and internally, the more fully oriented you are internally and externally, the more present you are. Mm -hmm. Right. So five post-it notes, five locations, five times a day. Um, and what I recommend is you start, you know, so you do one minute for each, right. And I always say we're going to practice this in the external environment first, because oftentimes in traumatization, our bodies can become a shop of horrors. And so going there first may not be the best place to go. So we're going to put the attention outside of us, right? And we're going to look, right? So we look, we listen, we smell, we taste, we feel. So that's how I teach it. Look, listen, smell, taste, feel, right? And I don't mean feel on the inside. I mean, feel, like touch things, notice their temperature, their texture, the spatial relationship, you know, the resistance that you get when you push against a wall, you know, those kinds of things, right? So one minute looking around, color, shapes, textures, images, objects, things that give you a sense of well-being, safety, pleasant memory, right? Then listening to the sounds, everything that you can hear outside of your house or apartment, everything you can hear inside your house or apartment, but to really give it your undivided Attention, even if it sounds, it feels like or seems like you're not hearing anything, you're actively engaged in listening. So you're actively engaging the lower brain function of vigilance. Am I safe? Am I not safe? The absence of sound is actually giving information that there's no animal growling, right? There are no footsteps coming down the hallway, right? So the absence of sound or the absence of sight, things that you see or absence of smell can actually be very resourcing. the system as well. And then we move our attention into smelling. Smelling isn't just breathing in, right? There's an olfactory nerve. And as you watch animals, they don't just breathe in, they sniff. And so we need to actively engage in that sniffing so that we're driving the air to the olfactory nerve and engaging the musculature in a different way that's saying, I am searching for scent, right? Right. And so, you know, the, our sense of smell is our most um, accurate, long-lasting, and and um, we can we can recognize ten thousand different scents, and with each one, we can have multiple memories attached, right? And so, you know, sometimes we can be in an environment where we're not really picking up anything as far as smell, because it may be, we're used to the smell of our house, right? Mm -hmm. But what we can do is then engage the imaginal realm and remember the scent of the ocean or the scent of horses or the scent of fresh cut grass or the scent of, you know, your mom's favorite perfume, if you and your mom had a great relationship, Um, you know, those kinds of things to kind of engage, right? Then we Or sniff
0: yourself, right?
1: Yeah, you can sniff your hair, your clothing. (laughs) um, You can pick things up and smell them, you know. And then taste. You know, we have taste buds all over our tongue—the tip, the back, the the sides—and so really bringing attention awareness into all of that. You know, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, chemical, metallic, um, and some say umami. Um, And then, uh, um, you know, touch, and that is, you know, reach out and touch and feel. Like I said before, texture, temperature, spatial relationship. Or you can also feel the weight of your clothing on your skin. Um, You can feel the difference in temperature where your skin is exposed and where it's covered. You can feel the pressure of your shoes around your feet. You can feel the weight of your earrings on your ears, right? So just bringing that kind of attention um, to the outside of you and the way in which you have a sentient engagement and experience with the outside world. So after doing that for several days and building that skill set, then you can turn your attention to orienting towards the internal environment, which engages the imaginal realm as well because you can't see inside but you can imagine inside you can imagine your bones and muscles and lymph and and organs and vascular system et cetera, et etc so that you kind of get into the wonder of oh my god this incredible machinery and you know biology is sustaining life and movement etc so we can get into the wonderment of you know um, how we have all these systems that work so seamlessly together um, and then again, you know, smell, we can go back into the, just the internal experiences of, you know, reconnecting to smells. We can listen to the internal sounds of swallowing and clearing your throat and bones creaking and your breath coming in and your breath going out and, um, you know, feel the cool air coming in as the lungs expand and the diaphragm drops and the lungs, the diaphragm rises and the lungs contract and the ribs contract and then the warm air goes out, you know, so you can just bring your attention to the internal environment that way but you know like i said I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys the mp3 links and so that way everybody can download them throw them on their iphone or their android and have them anywhere and so you can listen to me uh walking you through the process until you get the hang of it and do it on your own you can do it standing in line at the bank you can do it while having lunch with a friend if you can you can do it anywhere all
0: right friends let's talk about something we all do snack
1: right? It's an open-eyed moving meditation that can help you bring a greater sense of being present in the moment. I
0: love it. I love it, Brian. Um, Kev, Kelsey, I'll let you guys jump in with any last thoughts. If you have any,
2: I'm, I'm digesting this all like, Oh my gosh, I still can't get over Brian. I'm like, I wrote it back at the very beginning that your memory can change up to 50%. I mean, what the heck? (laughs)
1: Well, and we can, and we can change, we can change it.
2: Right. We can consciously change it. Right.
1: Right. How many times, you know, well not many, how many times, but I'm sure everybody's had the experience of having told a mistruth so many times they've come to
2: believe it. I
0: thought that's what a
2: sociopath
0: does.
2: No, but I've, I've I've said that many times. That's why I always say, and at least in our business, Brian, If a mistruth is told about you, to step on it fast because it becomes a truth over time. But how many times do we remember a line from a movie? This is like, you know, there's so many famous lines that, you know, we remember in movies that actually weren't the line.
0: Right. Right. The the person
2: never said it that way. And famous lines too that are on T shirts. Like, no, that's actually, you know, Jude, Jude, Jude was something that I don't know, was Tony Curtis always said and he never said that. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, so there's an example of it. Um, I think the thing for me is I understand how all of this happens. I think it's the unwinding, Brian, of it and the healing that is confusing to me, but maybe it's because it's such a long process. So maybe this is like halfway there is understanding that this is how we've we've gotten in these states. But I think on for me, I'm a little confused about how to unwind this pool, how to decluster those thoughts. Right, um, and
1: like I said, So, working on the original wounds is best done with a trained professional because you don't want to re traumatize yourself. Right? Telling our story. Great, though. Can re traumatize. Yeah. Our lower brain doesn't know the difference between perception and reality. So, even though we may be crying on our friend's shoulder and telling them our story, or we're laying on the analyst's couch or sitting across, The room from a psychologist, or crying about it alone in the back corner of our closet, or just revisiting it in the memory loop within our own minds, we run the risk of re traumatizing. And so when I work with narrative, I take it out of order and I do little bits and pieces at a time. And so there's a lot of technique in how to get. How to facilitate someone's nervous system to come on to lo- come back online, to manage that so that they don't go into overwhelm or collapse into underwhelm, and then to be able to work with the charge that's there in a safe and healthy way so that the system can actually unwind and discharge and
2: reorganize. So, Brian, are you saying that we need to find a somatic therapist in our areas? Basically, like not even a general therapist may not even be good to retell the trauma too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I may be a bit myopic on the topic, but I believe that trauma is at least intrinsically and initially a physiological experience. And that's where things get disorganized is physiologically, the communication between lower, higher, and middle brains, the governance of the lower brain over the autonomic nervous system, the expression of the nervous system, right? Because, you know, the nervous system, the lower brain and nervous system express through sensation, right? And sensation is language. And the most important part of any communication is listening. And so we need to learn how to listen to sensation. We need to learn how to feel because we've been conditioned, socialized, taught and trained throughout our lives that it's not okay to feel what we're feeling. Big boys don't cry, keep a stiff upper lip, chin high, shoulders back, soldier on, right? We're getting all this messaging that it's not okay for us to feel. And so we learn to disconnect, dissociate, and self-regulate. I feel something I don't wanna feel, so I hit the hit the the you know the punching bag. I feel something I don't wanna feel, I eat some chocolate cake. I feel something I don't wanna feel, I slam some heroin. I feel something I don't wanna feel, I go for a run. I feel something I don't wanna feel, I call a friend. I feel something I don't wanna feel, right? We're in this constant state of trying to get out of feeling what we're feeling. And it's not that that's a bad thing. It's a respite, right? It gives us a bit of a break, but it's not healing. And when we distract, disconnect, and dissociate, we're abandoning the wound to fester. And so it perpetuates, even though it may not be on our radar. So we first and foremost, we have to learn how to feel. We have to learn how to reconnect to our bodies. And there are certainly many things that we can do as individuals in an intrapersonal process, meaning me just working on my own, right? Simple things like taking the time to recognize and acknowledge that we're in a sentient experience, right? I'm feeling frustrated right now. Okay, so you've given the sentient experience, the the context of frustration. So let's get a little bit more curious about that. How and where do you feel what? Well, this frustration, I feel this tightness in my chest. My heart is elevated. My heart rate is elevated. I can't breathe deeply. I'm trembling and shaking. I'm starting to sweat, right? And so we can take that and slow it down and inquire of these five sensations that I'm feeling right now that I'm equating with frustration, what's the one that's most tolerable? So let's see what would happen if I shift my attention and awareness into that sensation, not the full expression of the frustration, but just that one sensation. So maybe that one sensation is the expression of heat, right? So I'm going to bring my attention and awareness into just feeling the heat, where awareness goes, energy flows. And so we're going to listen to the body's expression of this one expression of the heat, and we're going to embrace it and allow it and get curious about it and willing to feel it right our resistance are the greater part of feeling anything an itch or an emotion, right um, the greater part of feeling anything is our resistance to feeling it. So if we can collapse the resistance through curiosity, then what we're actually feeling is much more tolerable right And then I often say, or, you know something that I came on, I came to on my own in the midst of my panic attacks and all that kind of stuff was is this tolerable? And so my definition of intolerable was I need to go to the emergency room. So if I don't have to go to the emergency room, then this is tolerable. What have I just done? I've created a sense of empowerment. I can rely on my inner strength. This is uncomfortable. I hate it. It's scary. You know, I'm beginning to think it's never gonna end. Am I crazy or am I possessed? You know, I could go into all all of that, right? But when I can bring my attention awareness into that one sensation that's most tolerable and I can go, I don't need to go to the emergency room, I can feel this, right? And then eventually I got to a point where I was, I was literally screaming, is this all you got? Bring it on, bring it on. As I'm flopping around like a fish on a hot rock, right? But I collapsed my resistance. I became willing and curious. I wouldn't recommend that to everybody because we can re-traumatize ourselves and those kinds of experiences as well. And that's why, you know, um, having this one simple tool of what I call uh, what is called titration, a tiny little step. And then we couple that with pendulation. We lean into the edge of the sensation, and then we pendulate out into a resource. We spend more time in the resource. Then in the resource, we're going to notice our system is starting to settle, Mm -hmm. that the presenting symptoms of that frustration are starting to settle. When we notice that that settling has happened, we can go back in and feel into the edge of where it is now, get curious about it, willing to feel it, no need to change it. Then, when it feels right, you pull back out and you go back into the resource, and you spend more time there. And so that's you know a bit tricky because, like I said, for some people, their body is a shop of horrors. Um, for some people, they don't they, they have the experience of not feeling anything, right? Because sometimes over habituation or over extreme situations. Um, Our sympathetic nervous system, the expression of anger, fear, sadness, vulnerability, shame, right? That sympathetic charge in the system, if it pierces our bank of toleration, then our parasympathetic system comes in to manage it. And so we can go flat, right? So have a real...
0: remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. What do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the way. T H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me,
1: you won't regret it. Flat affect, right? Like I had a very flat affect for many, many years because I was so shut down. You know, I used to think of myself as the walking, the the land walking the, the land of the walking dead. And I was dead behind the eyes and I had no you know, um, cadence and rhythm in my voice. And I certainly didn't talk with my hands. And, you know, I was very, very shut down and very flat because my relationship to anger, fear, sadness, vulnerability, and shame was one in which I needed to contain it and manage it and suppress it. And so even though my presentation was, I'm good. You know, people used to say, you're so aloof. You're so cool. You're so laid back. And now I look back it and I go, no, I was so shut down, <laughs> I was so <laughs> offline, <laughs> you know, but, you know, we don't want to rip the lid off of that freeze because then we're going to have a great big mess. It's like a pressure cooker. You know, we need to let the steam out. And so, again, even in working with shutdown and freeze, it's more complicated and it takes longer. And there's a greater need to have someone with you working through that. Right, And then also in the interpersonal realm and working with someone, if their nervous system is more regulated, it's going to hold space for your nervous system being dysregulated. And it's gonna teach and train your nervous system through energetic resonance, how to to, um, be more regulated. And so there's a lot of benefit in working with someone and there are a lot of inherent risks in trying to do too much on your own. So
0: don't try this at home, everybody. Find Brian or a Brian, because I will tell you, you have been so instrumental in my kind of succeeding through this really tough journey. Um, I've told you, I definitely don't think I would have gone through it as easily as I did. Um, it was still hard obviously, but, um, but I've, I've really been able to handle it so much better because of my work with you. So thank you for that and. And I know that you have a book that you're working on that we're eager to, to get that's a TBD on the publishing date yet, but it will be out soon. And we will be um, tracking that and you'll keep us posted on that. In the meantime, if you guys want to visit Brian's website and learn more about what he does and his uh, resources for all of you, you can go to briandmahan.com. We'll put that in the link to this. Um, He also wanted us to share traumahealing.org and healingshame.com, which are two other amazing resources. So check those out as well. Um, And of course, you can find him on Instagram at Brian D. Mahan uh, SEP. So we'll put that in the, in the link as well. Brian, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
1: Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure.
0: All right, guys. Um, so, very complex stuff, right? It was—it was probably a lot for everybody. But um, we'll have Brian on again, and um, we'll keep. It's like when you're learning something completely new. At first, you're like, "Whoa, it's a lot." Like I said, even in my first session. But um, if you listened, if you listen to both episodes, um, it starts to really come together. I think in the second episode, don't you think, Kev?
2: Yeah. And I I also think just the understanding of knowing how much our traumas affect us physically, right? You know, and, and, and emotionally and how Mm -hmm. it's connected. I think this will get you halfway there. Yeah. But, but then the next half, yeah, we all have to work on.
0: Oh, I just think guys, somatic experiencing work is just the best thing uh, that I was introduced to. I'm so grateful that Gabby connected me with Brian. Um, it's really changed me in a lot of ways. So I hope you guys like the show. If you haven't hit subscribe on YouTube, please do. Um, of course subscribe on Apple podcast. Leave us a comment. We're seeing the comments upticking. So we're really grateful for them. Thank you. It really helps us follow us at better together with Maria on Instagram for daily clips and daily positivity. It's kind of your place to, to feel good every day. Uh, and if you haven't joined us on Patreon. We, of course, um, would love to have you. Our heel squad is very connected there. It's amazing. It deepens your experience on Better Together, but also at the $10 tier, not only are you getting bonus episodes and ad-free shows, but you're also getting the monthly heel events. And we got Brian, right, Kelsey?
2: I can get Brian. Heck yeah. Oh, I thought
0: you said, I thought I read that we had Brian set up Mm-mm. to do a heel no. session. No,
2: Yogi, but I can, he would absolutely do it. I know he would.
0: Yeah. We got to get him yeah, to do one. Definitely. I, think, I think one of the heel squad members doing this experience with him or more in this, in this, um, uh, event would be really cool to kind of see how it works, because if I could get something that had been there for, like I said, that one location, that hard ball that was there for so long to just poof, go away in one session, imagine what he could do for you. So, um, that is if you're a part of Patreon. So join us there. You can click the link tree in my Instagram or the Better Together Instagram to join us there. And in the meantime, follow us at Maria Menuno's, at Kelsmeyer, oh geez, you changed it, at the Kelsey Meyer, <laughs> at Better Together with Maria and at Brian D. Mahon, S-E-P. And remember, be nice people, make good choices and be present.